0: We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which company has been recorded, the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. We respect their continuing culture
1: and the past and present contributions they have made to this region.
0: You're listening to Company, the podcast connecting Australian artists, where we talk all things personal,
1: professional and spiritual. Joining you as always are your hosts, Georgia Kennedy
0: and Tiana Catalano. Hello and welcome to our very first episode of Company. Applause <clears throat> sound. <laughs>
1: We are so excited to finally get what has been our little COVID baby up and running and share it with everyone.
0: We're coming to you from Perth, WA, where we're both finishing our music theatre degrees at WAPA, and today we have a very special guest for you.
1: Chloe Zool is a powerhouse performer who has worked extensively across the Australian arts music theatre industry.
0: She had some amazing and candid insights to share with us, and we can't wait for you to listen in. But before that, it's time for a Riff of the Week. So
1: basically, we've created a fun little segment called "Riff of the Week," which is anything that has inspired us artistically in the past week.
0: Here's us talking shit about the art we love. You
1: ready? Okay. Riff of the week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Riff of
1: the week. Okay, so it's not a thing from just this week. It's something I've been doing for a few weeks now, and it was actually a recommendation uh, that I've been given a couple of times, and that is to do the artist's way. And I've been hesitant because it is a bit of a commitment. Basically, for 12 weeks, you're doing a program, refinding your spark of, you know, inspiration and, and love for your art. And you have to do journaling every day, three pages, and also take yourself on an artist date every week on your own, committed, and doing a whole heap of other stuff along the way as well. I was really hesitant because that's a lot for me and I just don't really have time in my head. But I have been doing it and I can say it is very, very useful and really good for my well-being, especially going through this um crazy time in the world. And journaling has become this thing in the morning that I get a coffee and I sit back in bed with a heat pack usually because I'm sore from something, and I sit there. And I just write whatever comes to my head. And it honestly is like meditation. It is because I'm not good at meditating. I'm not good at not doing stuff. You know, I'm always wanting to be up and about. But this is like the one time of the day that I actually sit there and I just write whatever is in my head. And usually it's a lot of useless stuff. So I just get it out. First thing of the day. It's amazing. I suggest if you're not doing artist way, implementing something like that into your day is just yeah. I can't even explain. It's just changed my perspective and I'm just a way more chilled out person. Would you say Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, chilled me out sure. a lot. Um, <laughs> you know, that adrenaline was literally starting my day every day. Yeah. And now that's not, that's not what happens. Maybe it picks up, you know, midday cause I start freaking out about stuff, but, um, I'm not starting my day like that. And I I'm so, so grateful. So thank you for suggesting that to me. Um, but yeah that's my Mm -hmm. that's my
0: weekly riff. Brilliant my weekly riff is The Life of CJ Walker it's on Netflix Octavia Spencer stars in it it's amazing it is about the first black self-made millionaire in America she was an incredible woman she made a line of hair products for women with afro hair I'm almost finished it I'm sort of halfway through it's sort of like a a documentary-esque style show, but I just love seeing women of colour on screen and learning about a woman that I didn't know about. And her story is incredible. Her resilience and her fight is amazing. And it's a story I think everyone needs to know about. So the full name is Self Made, inspired by the life of Madam C.J. Walker on Netflix. Chloe Zool is an Australian-born performer who has most recently been seen in Sixth the Musical as Aragon.
1: After finishing her training at ED5 in 2007, Chloe worked as a lead vocalist overseas and since has been working on major musicals across Australia, including Legally Blonde, Beautiful The Carol King Musical, Les Miserables, Dusty, Bagtime and West Side Story.
0: We really love this chat with Chloe and we're sure you will too. Hi,
1: Chloe. Thank you so much for joining us on company.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: <laughs> so whereabouts are you at the moment? You're in Tasmania.
2: I'm currently in Hobart in Tasmania. I, um, when, I guess 12 weeks ago when COVID happened, my husband and I decided to come down here so that he could work because obviously all the jobs disappeared and we just wanted to make sure that we had some sort of way to live. We didn't want to be part of um, the other million people trying to find a job at Coles. So uh, yeah. we came down to Tassie so that Rob, my husband could work on his family Apple Orchard.
1: How cool. Beautiful. Have they always yeah. had that as their family business? Is that where he grew up?
2: So he did. He grew up in Grove here, so it's 30 minutes south of Hobart, Uh, and it's family land and the people that own that orchard are cousins of theirs. So it's not, you know, close, direct family, but he grew up on that land there where the orchard is um, and they sold it to their cousins, Hanson's Orchards. Um, And so luckily he, and, you know, he's very good, so he can do lots and lots of jobs. So uh, they were able to use him and give him a job and I came along.
0: Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, how lucky. That must be a really, like, beautiful culture shock in a way because you've come from (laughs) Melbourne and before that Sydney and now you're on an orchard in Hobart.
2: (laughs) Look, do you know what? Hobart has the freshest air and I actually, which never happens, I was staying in company accommodation in Sydney for the uh, last part of six right in the middle of the city in central so it was so polluted and gross um and I'm used to living at the beach in Sydney so that was tough Mm. tough is the wrong word that was just it was just not (laughs) ideal um and so it was a really nice culture shock to come here I mean we're not on the orchard we're in in the city of Hobart um and he drives commutes to work but it is so lovely the houses here and the buildings here aren't too tall so everywhere that you look you can see the mountains you can see like green Mm. and mountains and it's so picturesque and so beautiful so there are definitely worse places to isolate
0: yeah yeah Yeah. well on that do you have any like arts recommendations for us what are you listening to or reading or watching at the moment
2: okay this is gonna be a long (laughs) list okay I've got a lot of books so yeah, I just finished the best book I've read in a long time. One of my dear friends, Ash, is a total book nerd. She's part of like two book clubs and always has the best recommendations. So yeah. she suggested that I read uh, Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reid. Yeah, so, I'm reading yeah. that as well.
0: It's great. Love
2: it. I read it in a day. Oh, really I, I like it was five o'clock one day and I poured a glass of wine and, and opened the book and finished it the next day. It was just so good. Um, So I loved that one. I'm also reading Eggshell Skull, uh, which is an Australian story about sexual abuse. And uh, I'm also reading Dark Emu, which I bought for my husband for Christmas, and it's been sitting on his bedside table, so I grabbed it and started reading that as well. Um, I absolutely loved... In My Blood It Runs, which you can look up on the website and rent from their website. Uh, I also really liked The Australian Dream, which is on ABC, iView. Uh, if you haven't seen The Secret River, that's on it's either SBF or SBF, SBS, <laughs> um, or iView. I can't remember. I watched it a few years ago, but that's a must. Um, what else? We went through a few Netflix series that we loved, Unorthodox.
0: Yeah. That was yep, really, really cool. Too. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, of course, we had to watch Tiger King because you just can't yeah. be current these days without it. No, you can um, <laughs> I liked Dear White People. I mean, I'd watched the first season, but I hadn't watched the second, so I finished that. Yeah. Um, what else is awesome that I just watched recently? Uh if you haven't read or listened to the audiobook, Michelle Obama's audiobook is awesome. And there's also a little Netflix series yeah. following her doing that tour. And another amazing podcast and audiobook is Elizabeth Day's How to Fail. Yes. That's another recommendation mm-hmm. from my friend yeah. Ash. The audiobook is amazing and the podcast is amazing. It's really, yeah. really, really great. And music wise, I mean, I'm addicted to making Spotify playlists and adding songs constantly, but I'm very much into, of course, we're all into Dua new album. Um, But also I'm back onto Selena Gomez. I like her album, the one that has Boyfriend on it. Um, I really like this new girl called Myesha. And she's an Indigenous artist and has some really cool music. Her album just came out last month. Odette, another Australian artist. Yep. And who else is awesome? Ah, oh, Emily King.
0: Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. Oh, wow. What an extensive great. <laughs> I, I could have kept going.
1: No, that's good because we've got like a three-week break coming up. So perfect for us. We'll just uh, delve into that. watching (laughs) and listening. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. (laughs) We have some fun questions, some Uh kind of questions. What is a theatre experience that really moved and changed you as an artist?
2: There's a couple actually. I mean, things that I've watched that I've been really moved by, I mean – I remember watching Sweet Charity at the Hayes, the first show at the Hayes, and I had never seen a show that close and I was just so blown away by the talent and uh, how amazing everyone was, the direction, but just all of it, I absolutely loved that. Um, And I mean, when I saw Once on the West End, that was really special. I cried through all of that, but I can't tell you really why. It just felt really, I don't know if raw is the right word, but that was a really, really special experience. Uh, maybe because I'd just gone through a breakup or something. <laughs> it really <laughs> spoke to me. Um, I mean, doing the role of Anita changed me for loads and loads of reasons. Um And doing Sarah in Ragtime, being a part of a show like that where, you know, set in the 1900s and nothing really, things have changed. That's not true. But there are a lot of similarities in the problems of that show, problems right now. Um, And doing a role like that, which is really intense, Um, and it was right before my wedding and I had so much going on and my anxiety came back and it was just like, so many things happening, and that experience was really uh, tough but amazing. But I would say, I guess, the most like transformative experience for me would be doing West Side Story. It's such an iconic show, and such a, a legacy, and so much responsibility to do a role like that. You know, there aren't that many female roles that get to tell a story like that, like she's the hero in the story and she, at that time, was really ahead of her time. Um, you know, there's a rape scene in it that uh, is important to be seen. You know, it's uncomfortable to watch and it's that's sort of what's great about theatre is that you can do something confronting like that for people and make them have a look at things differently. Uh, and, you know doing that show stretched me in every way possible, mentally, physically. It was just a slog, and but the most rewarding at the same time.
0: And then I guess on the flip side of that, um, what was your biggest theatre mishap or something funny that happened while you've been on tour or performing?
2: I mean, we could go on forever with this because there's always something <laughs> hilarious, but I do have a good one. Yeah, When I was doing Legally Blonde, which is still my favorite or one of my favorite things I've ever done it was just mm-hmm. the best cast the best best class of people the most fun like we just everyone that I see since Legally Blonde we all say like oh my god that was the best show we've ever done had the best <laughs> time it was just like yeah. the right combo of people and the right it was just it was just the best so good yeah. anyway I had um It was, you know, Wednesday matinee, so you're not used to being up that early, kind of start of the week. And I had bread in the freezer and I was kind of groggily just like going to get some bread to make some toast to go to work. And the bread wouldn't pull apart. So I got, this is so stupid, I got a knife and tried to like break the bread off and instead I stabbed my finger and it, it was pretty bad. Like it went right into my ring finger, my left hand. Uh, and just, there was just blood everywhere. And I was like, oh, God, oh, no, I need to go to work. So I just wrapped it up in some Band-Aids and some paper and just like took some cold bread and like ate that on the way to work yeah. and got to work. And I was like, oh, I'd hurt my finger. i have hurt my finger. And this was, of course, the one and only day where everybody was off. Um, my understudy was off there were Uh all the swings were on stage like it was just one of those past changes where everyone was off so I got to work and everyone was like are you okay all the color had drained from my face I was literally Uh pasty white and I was like oh I've hurt my finger and opened up this tissue and there's this massive gash on my finger Uh and anyway it just I don't even know how or why this happened and if someone from legally is listening to this maybe they remember more than I do but we basically just put loads of band-aids on it and and stuff and taped it up anyway we're doing what what you want part one and I'm there with my book kind of yeah. and I felt this like hot thing on my arm and I was like looked down and my entire forearm was covered in blood and I like glance over my shoulder towards Ash my friend Ash and I said um I think I have to go off stage and she was like get off get off (laughs) and I was like now she was like get off stage Anyway, I looked on stage and there was an S shape of blood. Oh my all Like God. I had trailed blood all the way along the stage and to my spot. Anyway, I walked off and kind of just walked off with my arm out, like, help, someone help, got yeah. to the week's desk, fainted at the week's desk. And then so I was about to come on for What You Want Part 2 and I had the first line, how's this for yeah. a personal essay? And so... The swings, as they do, went into like, okay, panic mode. Michelle Biles, they're like, right, okay, I'll do this line. Um, Ash, you're going to do this. And then actually I think Ash, who was Serena, ended up saying my line. Michelle did half my track and half the other track she was supposed to be doing. And
0: yeah.
2: anyway, I kind of came to, we got it together and I went back on stage and finished the show with all like my hands ached together. And then obviously couldn't do the second show. Had to go and get stitches. Yeah. Um, but that's the mishap. Damn, Very funny in what hindsight. Are, oh, and I forgot to say blood that. Loss. Yes, all the <laughs> all the cheerleaders had to go on with tissues and wipe like with their curry, kind of wipe the, with the floor their feet. Oh. and like wipe with the tissues and then throw the tissues off stage. Oh, that oh is so gross. Brilliant. Yeah, and that's I mean crazy. like. Now, I just don't even know. It all just sort of happened. You know, when you say it in succession like that, it sounds like a really stupid story. Like, why would you go on stage like that? You no, know, why are you trying to be a hero? And it wasn't that. I wasn't even trying to be a hero. I think I was in shock. And we had no one at work and I was like otherwise physically completely fine. And so I was like, Oh yeah, it's fine. Like if you cut yourself, you're fine. I didn't realise I needed stitches. I didn't realise just how bad it was. And I obviously didn't anticipate bleeding all over the stage. Wow!
1: All that's, right, and that's commitment. That's showbiz. Yeah, that really
2: showbiz. <laughs>
1: <go> yeah. <laughs> wow. So, how was it coming off of six?
2: Um. So, God, six. I I love six so much. Um, it's such a special thing to be a part of. And it's such, I feel so grateful that I get to be part of the original cast here. This, you know, completely woman driven show one of the writers is a woman and it's about strong women it's just it's a really cool piece to be doing right now it looks like a silly pop show and it's not so much more um we had the best time we worked our butts off we did nine shows a week for all of Sydney plus you know publicity and all the things that you need to do at the start of a tour to get the show to To run and you know things like recording a tvc for the show and things like that so we worked really hard um and we had such a great group of people such a great team within that cast and the crew and just the whole company uh and so we were coming into a five week five week break and then we were continuing on to melbourne and adelaide and so Funnily enough, I was actually anticipating this break. That was when uh, Rob and I had planned to go on our honeymoon, and I was really looking forward to it because so it was the first break that I'd had since since West Side. Um, so kind of just went West Side, Ragtime, Mary, West Side, Six, and so I was looking forward to kind of having a moment to just settle and enjoy what had happened and have a moment with my husband. Uh anyway that obviously didn't happen. So we were just I think all of us we were just like oh, okay well we might start a little bit later in Melbourne. But of course that's not what happened and we've been postponed. So we are just currently I guess at the mercy of the government and Waiting to hear what happens with theaters and social distancing and all of that other stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously we all miss each other and want to do the show again. Uh, and you know, we were lucky in the sense that we didn't just do a show and then find out that it was our final show. We did our final show, and the following mm. week, COVID became as big as what it right. is. Right. Right. So yeah, it was such a shock. It, yeah. It wasn't as much of a shock as it would be for someone that went in on a Sunday and never came back. Um, yeah. But obviously we are really at the start of the show, at, of the season and we did all that hard work, you know, prepping to continue to do the rest of the tour. Uh, and we were finally show fit, which seemed really impossible for that show. I think from the outset I looked at the show and was like, oh, okay, great. Yep. It's not too long and – but it's so much harder than it looks and we don't leave the stage and it's just non-stop. So all of us were kind of climbing, 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 waiting to get show fit. We kind of got show Mm. fit and then um, all of this happened. So it's a total shame that we're in the same boat as so many others.
0: Yeah. So I, the first time I saw you was when was Legally Blonde? When did you do that? What year okay, was that?
2: So that must have been 2011 or 12.
0: Yeah. So let's say about eight years ago. And I was a little girl with my grandma going to watch the show, aspiring musical theatre performer. And I saw you on stage. And it was the first time that I'd gone to a musical and I'd seen someone that looked like me and <laughs> we were in a supporting lead role. And I went, Oh, like I can aspire to that. I can aspire, aspire to be someone like. Chloe and have a supporting role. I didn't really aspire to have a lead role because I didn't see women that look like me in many lead roles, except for maybe, you know, West Side Story. Um, But to see you there was such a big moment for that little girl. Um, But I guess a, a question that I have for you is you have been put in these ethnic roles where you're playing... Puerto Rican women and black women and women from all these different denominations. Um, And I feel as I'm going out into the industry, I will be in the same boat where I feel like we sort of look ethnically ambiguous so we can be put up for different... We do kind of look
2: similar, actually. You look like some (laughs) of my family.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I, I get Mauritius all the time. Just a side note, I've been saying Mauritius in this interview, that is incorrect, Mauritius is the country. And if you're from Mauritius, you are Mauritian. Apologies. Um, I'm Colombian Caribbean. So, um, but yeah, I just. Yes, I I
2: get asked if I'm South American a lot too.
0: So there you go. So I guess my question is what? How do you feel about playing all these different ethnic denominations and sort of what responsibility do you feel and would you do all those sort of things? And do you feel like you're being. Typecast in these specific roles and that you don't get looked at for roles that aren't of colour in Australia?
2: Well, this is a big one. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Firstly, that's such a beautiful story. Thank you. Um, I I know what you mean. I know what you mean in that uh, not seeing yourself represented on stage. Um, There are things that I'm discovering now that I didn't, realize that I thought or didn't really I just thought that was life you know so for example not seeing anyone that looked like me on tv or on an ad on a show on anything um, especially Australian tv not seeing anyone that looked like me in magazines on um, in musicals I literally just thought that's what happened like I didn't realise that, I don't know what I thought, but I I just knew that there weren't people that looked like me uh, in mainstream media. And to be honest with you, I had never seen anyone that looked like me on stage either. Uh, I maybe, maybe a little bit in Miss Saigon. That was kind of the first time I saw people that looked Um, And Miss Sagon's one of my top three favourite shows. So Mm -hmm. that was special for me. I guess I kind of had that moment then. But I don't know that I had that same realisation that you had. I think I, I don't know what I thought, if I'm being honest. Um, But that's so nice that you saw me up there and thought that. And I'm glad that that did that for you. I hope that happens more often. It should happen more often. Um, Now, in regards to different ethnicities and being asked to play them and those sort of things this is a really big topic and I want to be really careful in what I say here because I'm not 100% sure that my opinion is formed if I'm being really honest and I'm not sure that what I say will I don't know that people will agree with me or feel the same I don't know so here we go I'll just have a chat about what I think um I think as a person of colour in Australia, I don't know, and please tell me if I'm wrong, but I have never heard of a story about a little Mauritian girl that um, went on a walk and did a show, you know, like I've never heard of a musical that has a Mauritian girl represented. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never, there aren't really any stories that represent the broader people of colour population and we have such a multicultural country you know we have so many so many different ethnicities in Australia and so you know I'm obviously not African American so I can't speak for African Americans uh, but in my opinion, I feel like people of colour in Australia should be able to be put into roles that are written for, let's go with ethnically diverse people or ethnicities like um, Puerto Rican or, um, (laughs) of course, I can't think of any now, but they should be able to, we should be able to, those roles because if we aren't allowed to play the white roles and we aren't allowed to play those other roles what do we do where yeah. how how what do we play what, what are we allowed to play mm-hmm. you know because honestly there isn't I don't believe that there's real colorblind colorblind casting here and maybe that's something controversial but I believe something that we do in Australia is token cast and maybe it's not just Australia, maybe it's everywhere, um, where you put one role in the show with a dark person in it and then that's the one role. That's the role that has the the ethnically diverse person and then you tick that box and people can't Mm -hmm. complain and then everyone else you can cast how you like. Yeah. And so... You know, let's say, for example, Ragtime. I know some people took issue with that because it's an African-American story and there are all different ethnicities within that show. I feel like that story needs to be told here and I think the best people to tell it are people of colour. And I think something we need to be careful of is if someone, if a person of colour doesn't look a certain way, that people then decide that they're not allowed to represent that character. So let's say someone that has a black dad and a white mum, but they look white, but they're half black, but they don't look, quotation marks, black enough. Mm -hmm. People take issue with that. I think that's something we also need to be careful of. I feel Mm -hmm. like I've gone into a tangent here Mm -hmm. because I've got Mm -hmm. so many thoughts on this subject. but. My main my main thought is people may not agree or not, but there is a restriction or there has been a restriction on people of colour playing a wide range of roles. They're usually the token person. So I believe that if we're not going to colourblind fast, then the people of colour should be able to represent other ethnicities um if they're not white does that make sense I'm not sure that I've articulated it totally that does
0: we're, <laughs> we're having that discussion no we're having that discussion at the moment because we're doing a chorus line at WAPA um and we're having the discussion of whether it is okay for uh you know Mauritius guy in the class to play a black guy whether it's okay for me to play a Puerto Rican because I'm I'm not Puerto Rican I'm you know Colombian Caribbean etc and so we're having this discussion, but I. I don't actually think the discussion is about the specifics of where you're from. The discussion is have you felt othered as a person of of colour and have you felt like you can't play other right roles? Because I think there aren't enough roles written for us anyway. Like if there were roles like that, we could play them, but I, I don't think there are enough roles that are written for all these other ethnicities. Um, I think the story of being another, of being an immigrant, of having that experience and that family background it is in a way a shared experience that a lot of people of colour have. And I think it's something that they can all speak on and it's it's a shared experience.
2: Totally. I think, you know, if we aren't going to actually colour blind cast, then I think we need to utilise people that are ethnically diverse in other ways. But I think what we're really saying here is that why can't I be Anna in Frozen? Why can't I be, (laughs) I don't know, anything, you know? I think something that needs to happen is that we just cast the people that we colourblind cast across the board, yeah. Um, and you know, like I, I was in the industry a long time before I could even, or I felt like I could submit for a lead role, mm-hmm. because there weren't any that suited my description physically. You know, like I only just realised recently that, and I could have been doing this to myself, so I'm not 100% blaming producers or anything like that. Um, I didn't submit for Kathy Seldon in Seeing in the Rain because I was like, oh, they're not going to pick me for that. I don't look right. Um, I didn't submit for Sandy in Greece. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm perfect for these roles and I missed out. I'm just saying that without even giving myself the chance, I didn't even submit because I decided that they wouldn't pick someone like me because of things that have happened in the past, you know. So uh, it's only now that I'm reflecting on that going, okay, well, why did you do that? I did it recently. I did it in Frozen, if I'm being really honest. Mm. I didn't submit for Elsa because I didn't think that they even considered me. And that's totally on me because I think they would have and. Um, I should have gone in and just given it a go, but I didn't. You know, like when I got Les Mis, I had also been offered the Lion King and I chose Les Mis for a few reasons, but one of them was the fact that Les Mis didn't have to be ethnic. I didn't have mm. to be ethnic to be cast in Les Mis. Yeah. And I wanted to be seen for something other than just the colored person that needed to fill a role. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to think that I could actually do something because mm-hmm. that is something that people would say a lot as well. Like make jokes about the token person or, or they needed dark people for, for that. So, or they've got dark people in that show. So you'll definitely be in it. Like there's nobody else. And the only reason that I got a job was because, um, I had dark skin, you know? Yeah. Um, So I've kind of diverted off topic here but um, I think all the way back to answer your question in the first place about being cast as different ethnicities, I personally think that people of colour should be able to do that here in Australia. Yeah. um, Because otherwise we aren't represented at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're discussion about feeling like the token ethnic and making jokes about that I found myself making jokes about that as well and saying oh I'm the token ethnic or I'm going to be cast in this role because I look this way and I guess with this Black Lives Matter movement I feel like now I can talk a bit more on these things I'm not sure if you feel the same but I felt like before if I talked about it not that it would fall on deaf ears but that's just not what people were considering or thinking about. But now I think with this movement, we can look at places like the theatre and we can see where maybe we can diversify and we can cast colorblind, and people of colour don't need to just play these roles and that we are so much more than that and so much capable of so much more capable of other things. I don't know if you feel the same.
2: I I agree. I think something that's really amazing within this movement, which should have happened a long time ago, is that people are self-reflecting. And, I mean, it falls in this time where people have the time to self-reflect and the time to research and learn because things have slowed down so much. Um, You know, it's given all of us a chance to really think about what we're saying. You know, I listened to a talk with the writer of White Fragility, uh, which was really amazing because it really made me think about some of the things that I've said myself that I didn't ever realise were racist or mm. could have been uh, interpreted as racist. Yeah. And I think that is something that's really great about this time is that people are choosing to learn and hopefully choosing to learn or being forced to learn and are going to go forward with a different perspective, myself included. Um And I think, you know, we could be mad about it or we could just say, cool, how do we, how do we move forward and how do we learn and grow from this? And I really hope, really hope that that happens. You know, I'm sure I'll get in trouble for saying this, but, um, I was really, really upset when I watched Muriel's wedding in 2019, which is a show that is set in 2018 or 19 in Mm -hmm. Australia. And the only people of colour that I saw were Asian and they were kind of taking the piss Mm -hmm. out of um, a Chinese restaurant owner. They were kind of caricatures of themselves. You know, I thought that was an opportunity to, they could have given that the Chinese guy a really Aussie accent because so many Chinese people that I know have the strongest Aussie accents because they're born here and they're Australian, you know. Mm. Um, They had the opportunity to represent Australia as it is now. It's set in 2018, you know. Maybe I would understand if it was set in 1972 and times hadn't changed and everybody was white and whatever. But that's not the case, you know. It was set really recently, and I looked on that stage and I saw a missed opportunity as a new Australian musical to be inclusive and to show everyone, whatever age, that we have a multicultural Australia. What I saw was a bunch of white people, mm, let's say 70% blonde, a few brunettes and like two redheads. That's it. I think maybe someone might have been Italian in there, maybe. Yeah. They had blonde hair though. So, and I'm saying this, I'm friends with most of that cast. This is not the cast. I'm just saying that I came away from it and I saw it twice. I came away from that show and I felt genuinely offended and that's the first time I've been probably, that I can think of right off the top of my head, genuinely offended by a show. Because I didn't see myself represented up there. I didn't see my friends that are really talented represented up there. I saw this version of Australia that I didn't like and I saw a missed opportunity. And I think we have a responsibility uh, at this point in Australia to put on musicals that actually represent Australia the way it is now. And I'm sorry if that offends people, but it's, it's an experience that has stuck with me. But I think moving forward, we need to look at shows with that perspective of, like, does this actually represent Australia? Does this represent how I see if you look at a school photo and see the class, does the class look like that? Is this the way we want to put shows on here? Is this what we want to show our audiences? that this is still the way that things look? I personally think the answer is no.
0: I think we need to more look at the perspective of a, if a person of colour or an ethnic person is sitting there and watching the show, we need to think about how they will feel from their perspective. Are they going to feel represented? Are they going to feel that their culture is being respected? Or are they able to see someone like them playing a role that has nothing to do with ethnicity? And is that being represented enough as well? I think so often we only really care about a white audience and how a white audience sees a show. But if we take the seat of a a person of colour and how they would view the show, I think that would open up a lot more opportunity for diverse casting and just more consideration of that.
2: I actually think it goes even further than that. I think, you know, it should be shown to a white audience Like, I mean, this is for everyone, you know. It's not just, I don't don't think it's just so that people feel represented. I think it's a misrepresentation of what Australia is Mm -hmm. by putting an entirely white cast on stage. I think it's irresponsible. And it's, for the people that do see Australia like that, they need to see what it really looks like and accept what it really
1: looks like. And a question, I guess, then, what is some advice that you would give to young Chloe and what would you say to yourself now that you've been through all of these experiences? Is there anything that you wish that you knew when you were younger or could keep in mind going through this industry?
2: Yeah, I think um, after our conversation, you know, I think I would say to young Chloe, don't believe that you can't do it just because you haven't seen it. You know, I should have gone in for auditions when I didn't think that I would get them. You know, I should have presented myself in that way and believed that I could do it. I'm still trying to believe that I can do things when I can. You know, I tell myself that I can't make them. Can. Uh, so I would say that I would say controversially to not put all my eggs into one basket, to have a um have a really broad set of interests and to invest a little bit into all of them. Obviously, spend most of my time and effort on performing and honing those skills, mm-hmm. but as an older performer, it's really easy to see, well, you have no choice, but to see that even if and when you're successful, you will have downtime. You will, have, you, mm-hmm. will, uh, you will book a show for a year in advance and have eight months to fill from when you finish your next job. And it's not because you don't have a job, you just, there's a huge chunk of time because of the way that they've passed it. So I would say, find some other things that you're interested or go to a place where you can study music theatre and get a degree so that later on you can add on to that degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Learn extra skills like learn another language or um, photography or any anything anything you know a friend of mine works um at a jeweler and is studying diamonds and you know she's really su- successful with that and does that between shows um mm. other friends are doing psychology degrees and other things like that but it is harder when you get further along the track and i think young chloe was just like tunnel vision this is it i'm just performing i don't care about anything else nothing else matters and sure, I'm here, absolutely. It did work. However, as a fully grown adult looking at my life and having a, a life that I can live and be comfortable, I would definitely say that it's worth having other things that you can put your time into so that you can take your power back as well. You know, it gets yeah. along the line and there is a show that you need rather than you want, you know, like you desperately need that money, but it doesn't align with where you want to go in your career, you'll be forced to take it unless you have another job or something else that you can do. It's not necessarily a fallback. It's just another passion. And it also means that you're not walking into that audition like drooling, please give me a job because they can sniff it out, you know. like Mm. You're not going to do your best work when you're so desperate you can't breathe.
0: Yeah.
2: So I think that would be my advice to little me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we have touched on it, but what are your hopes now for the Australian industry? I think I'm really excited now that discussion is happening and things are moving forward. So what would you like to see in the next five or ten years change in the Australian industry?
2: (coughs) Um, yeah, I would like to see more, I don't even know if colorblind casting is the right word anymore, diverse, I just would like to see inclusive casting, I would like to see people, producers think outside of the box, and obviously I'm not a producer, I don't know how it works, I don't know what sells tickets and what doesn't, but I think it's the time now to do that, Uh you know, I, I would like to see that happen here. I would like to see lots of work, musicals that stories that need to be told, not not ones that don't need to be told anymore. We don't need to be mm-hmm. there are so many great shows. I don't think we need to bring back old ones that don't have messages. Yeah. Better for this time. Um, I would like to see more Australian work and I would just like to see our industry thriving again because it's really been so hard to watch everyone I know and love out of work and kind of fumbling because we've worked really hard for this. We've worked hard to get to this point and we're all good at what we do. And so I would like to see our industry flourish again with a completely inclusive, wonderful, diverse range of people.
0: amazing Amazing. thank you so much Chloe for speaking to us today thank you for asking me such a joy yeah it's been awesome thank you so much thank you so much thanks so much again to Chloe for talking to us this week as a woman of color I really appreciated what she had to say and where she thinks this industry needs to go and I really appreciated how candid she was with us This was only a short snippet of a much bigger discussion that needs to happen within the Australian arts industry and we're really looking forward to opening up the discussion more in the coming weeks and months.
1: We would really love to hear from you guys. So if you have anything you'd like to share, please message us on Instagram, send us any posts, jump on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Thank you for joining us this week on Company. If you enjoyed this episode with Chloe, please let us know on our Facebook or Instagram at CompanyPod. We'd love to hear your thoughts. You can find Chloe on her website, chloezool.com and her Instagram at chloezool. Big shout out to our producing
1: guru, Douglas Rintel, media queen, Deirdre Koo, also known as Deedle Dom Designs, and David Dekettis on music. We'll catch you next time.
0: Bye.